Hello everyone and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast. It's another two-person shift this week because Freddie is living his best, best life in Paris. He's put some pictures up and it looks like he's having a great time there. That means me and Nigel are here to do a qualifying review, which if you're a long-time listener to the podcast, you know it's not a regular thing, but these last two qualifyings have just been so news-laden that we had to do another one this week so we are here i am here myself adam dickinson with nigel true nigel how are you i'm very well adam uh yeah good to have you back after a good oh actually to be fair you, we did the call we want together last week as well so never mind i was going to say something else but i've just remembered what I, what, I'll put down. what i was going to say is wrong i won't say that okay that's good We're, we are all about the facts in this business um yeah it's the I think we worked out it was the last time we did a, a two-person podcast with me and Nigel was Belgium preview last year. So it's been a while, but I'm looking forward to looking forward to getting to an absolutely jam-packed weekend so far at Jeddah, and there's not even been the race yet. So today we had qualifying. Sergio Perez took pole. It's his first pole position in about 250 qualifying appearances. He beats Mark Webber's record for the most qualifying appearances before getting a pole position. That bumped Ferrari down, who looked like they might be getting a front row lockout, but they didn't. So Charles Leclerc second and Carlos Sainz third. Mercedes, especially Hamilton, had a nightmare. Hamilton out in Q1 for the first time since Brazil 2017. The first time in a long time. Um, And it wasn't an error. It was just they weren't getting the card dialed in. They weren't able to do anything. And Hamilton slips out of the qualifying in the first session, which is just mind-blowing to think about. And there was Mick Schumacher who had a huge, I think I heard the number being put at 70G impact when in Q2, which led to an hour's delay. And we hope he's all right. He's gone to hospital, but they assessed him at the track medical center and said he was okay. So we're going to be getting into all of that. But first, there was news coming out on Friday night that there was an explosion an oil facility 10 miles away from the circuit and a group of Yemeni rebels have claimed that and claimed it as a missile strike. There's been a lot of driver discussion about whether they should be racing and so far they are. So Nigel, starting there, what are your thoughts on um, everything that happened before we even got to qualifying? That's a big question. Uh, I think if it from what I understand, it's quite clear some drivers, we don't know who, we don't know how many, some <clears> drivers didn't want to race. Now, all of the team bosses, uh, Liberty Media, they wanted to race, but the drivers are ultimately the people who are the stars of F1. And without without them, there's no race. So they've, they've got the power, really. Uh, and you could argue that it shouldn't have even... It shouldn't, it shouldn't even be in their hands as to whether they race or not, but it's what it came down to. And for me, if there's at least a few drivers, no, no matter who they are, whether it's you know someone who's won a championship, someone who's new to the sport, if there's a few drivers who didn't want to race, I think the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix shouldn't have carried on. Uh, it has, as, as we know. But yeah, those are my general thoughts. Uh, I mean, we should we probably shouldn't even be racing in Saudi Arabia anyway because of all the human rights issues that are going on and the, all the conflict as well, which is why this attack has happened. Uh, and I think 
to anyone listening to this, what I would say is, you know, do read up on the Yemen, Saudi Arabian conflict that is going on there, because I feel like there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding almost, and people don't know about it as much as compared to, say, Ukraine and Russia, which is uh, you know, a bigger thing in, in, in Europe. Uh, but it, it is a complex issue, and it's a real shame that everyone has got itself into this mess. Uh, but, yeah, I think the race or the weekend should have been stopped. Uh, and for me, I just have to put my hand up to the drivers, you know, taking that stance and not just going along with what the team bosses said and stuff, because it, it takes a lot of bravery to, you know, stand up in front of the rest of, rest of the grid and say, I don't think it's right that 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 that, that we should race. Uh, so, yeah, that was my yeah, I I completely agree. I think when you, you know, F1 has put itself in this position because when you race in dodgy countries, you end up in dodgy situations and this is where where it is now. And yeah, I completely agree. I think if there are drivers who don't feel safe with racing, then they shouldn't be racing. It's, it's really as simple as that to me, but F1's bigger than that. Ultimately, it's not, you know, there are, there are so many stakeholders and so many decision makers and, um, you know, it did sound like the drivers had a long, long discussion. I think it was four hours um, into yeah. the into Saturday morning that they were talking. So, yeah, it went on for a long time and they've got to the decision to uh, to race for the moment. I wonder if, you know, there's certain provisions in that. So if there's any other activity like this, then, you know, that's it. And they'll draw the line into it and move on and not, not race here. So, you know, I we don't know anything like that, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of... Uh, provision put in there but yeah i i echo your words in read up about the conflict find out you know exactly what the background is to this and then you'll be in a better position to make an informed decision and informed opinion i think well the argument or one of the things that are said is the reason they are racing is because if they didn't want to race it would be tricky to you know, get everyone out there and, and for planes and all that. I'm just interested to hear what you would say to that, Adam, to people who think, oh, well, if they if they can only get a plane on one day or, 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 or you know, or, or even tomorrow, someday, you know, they might as well just race anyway because they're there. I think, I think there's a couple of things. I mean, firstly, it's not, you know, having the Grand Prix, having the Grand Prix there puts Saudi Arabia in the kind of global perspective and global um vision so if mm. if the race isn't there then that automatically kind of takes that away which presumably will kind of decrease the risk of something happening while it's on the global stage so i think that's the first thing and you know it's these things can be solved you know it's not if f1 cares about getting the people out of the country that they don't want to that don't want to race there then they can solve it it's not you know, it's not an insurmountable thing. So, you know, yes, it would be costly, but if you know, it's in terms, it's just a matter of priorities. If that's what, if that's what the drivers want to do, then F1 should be doing the most they can to facilitate that. And you know, if they weren't, then that would raise serious questions. Which you know, it's all conjecture, kind of at this point, I believe. But yeah, I think I don't think there's really too much wisdom in that. Are, are you of a similar position? Ah. Oh, I mean, there are a few people who've left. Uh, Ralph Schumacher left on Saturday, Saturday or Saturday morning, and so did some of the other Sky Germany people. So 
there were planes, whether there would have been enough, I don't know. Uh, it's just, if they did stop, if they didn't race, it would have been, it would have made a big stance to say, you know, this isn't right, we can't race here, and something like that. But maybe there's an agreement that they'll race this weekend and then they won't race next year and in future years, perhaps. I, I, I'm just, you know, speculating here. But, uh, yeah, it's tricky. I mean, F1 shouldn't even be in this position quite frankly, but it is. Money talks, as Hamilton said uh, during the Australian Grand Prix before it was cancelled in 2020. Uh, yeah, F1 just found itself in a bit of a hole, I think. Mm. Yeah, and it's not it's not like racing is taking a stance against anything. I don't, you know, say mm. a, um, a few years ago when the Dortmund, Borussia Dortmund bus was attacked on when they were going to play Monaco and one of their players was injured or something like that. And it felt like, you know, really big thing to um, to play the game and kind of get on with it to kind of take the stance against the attack. But here it's not, you know, it's it's not that same kind of morality to racing. It's... You know, it, it's a war and a conflict that has, above all else, um, affected so many civilians in Yemen. And, um, you know, there's been famine, there's been thousands or tens of thousands of civilians killed in the fighting. And it's not, you know, it's not something to race for. I don't think there's kind of that element of, you know, wanting to take a stance for it. And if that's the case, you know, Liberty have to f- fulfill their contracts. And, you know, there are there's a lot of money in it, like you say. But beyond that, I don't kind of, you know, I it's just racing and racing isn't worth the potential risk of what is being faced here. So yeah, I think that's, yeah. that's all I had to say, but have you got, have you got anything else to add on? I just also think like if an explosion that's 10 miles away, isn't going to stop them from racing in Saudi, then what is, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, does it have to actually hit the track or something? Yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if we still race it next year, I think, as well. Uh, but I think even if there are no more incidents this weekend, then let's hope there are. F1 shouldn't, you know, forget what happened on Friday because mm. that four hour meeting shouldn't have had to have taken place. Uh, the driver shouldn't have been in that position, uh, to feel like that they shouldn't race there as well. So, mm. Yeah, I think there's going to be a bit more coming from this. Uh, but yeah, let's help first of all. That's everyone who is in Saudi, journalists, drivers, teams, every single team member, everyone there. Let's hope that they're okay this weekend. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I completely echo that. And it's, um, yeah, it's one to watch and just keep your fingers crossed for, I think. But moving on to, uh, to actual qualifying, then as we said at the top, it was, uh, day to remember for Sergio Perez because he came across the line I think he was uh the penultimate driver over the line with Verstappen the last driver and Verstappen could only manage fourth so yeah it was as soon as Checo came over then he you could just see how kind of bouncing he was with the lap and he said afterwards if he did um a thousand more laps then he wouldn't have beaten that one so yeah it was a really really special day for Perez and where you know how how do you kind of sum up this achievement and, you know, the the fact that he's beaten Verstappen, he's beaten both Ferraris, you know, just kind of, I guess, give a bit of, pay a bit of homage to that. Mm, yeah, it was, it was just extraordinary because I think very few people thought 
that Perez will get a pole in F1 because it's never been his strength. He's never been a good qualifier. And then to deliver on this tricky, tricky track, which has caught people out, people have made mistakes as well. And even Red Bull, they weren't exactly dominant this weekend. In fact, if anything, Ferrari looked like they had the best car. So to pull it out of the bag, it's something you'd, you'd expect Verstappen to do. But instead, Perez has done it. So a fantastic effort, great lap. He really risked it as well because the risk versus reward on this track is absolutely huge. But he, he went for it and it just about paid off by about two. 25 hundredths of a second and 25 thousandths of a second. So, uh, yeah, brilliant effort. Probably the best half of his career. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it, it, it's got to be. It was absolutely fantastic. And I think the, the fact that he is starting and Verstappen's two cars behind will really help, you know, it gives him a genuine chance to win the race. Whereas if it was him first, Verstappen setting second, you'd expect that he'd have to see that at some point. So I think that's absolutely massive that, you know, he's the lead driver. He's going to be the one battling, you know, there's been so many times where Verstappen's been the one um, kind of taking the fight to the opposition and he's, you know, Perez is just there as kind of, you know, a roadblock effectively to try and, you know, or like a tactical um, tactical pawn to use. But the fact that it's kind of roles reversed and, you know, he has that opportunity, I think is really, really exciting for him. Um, mm. Do you think Red Bull are going to kind of give him the, is he still going to, do you think he'll be the number one, dri- number one driver for the race in terms of strategy? I think... If the Ferrari pair are still in between Verstappen and Perez, so if it stays as it is now, then yes, they, they have to still just get outboxed by Ferrari. But I think what they can do is they can do something different with Verstappen, whether that's undercutting to try and trigger some pit stops or, 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 go, or going long. I think they can do that. But yeah, I think they will prioritise Perez. Uh, yeah. So he's got a great chance to win. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I think... Yeah, it's um, it's an extremely exciting moment for for Perez because you know it's he doesn't get chances to win that often, and we kind of saw that last season where were it not for Verstappen's tire blowout, then you know that would have been it for him. So, yeah, it's it's really exciting for him. But as one driver goes up, another driver has to come down, and today that driver was Sir Lewis Hamilton, who didn't make it out of Q1. I didn't think I'd be saying that this season. If you if you you know. Asked me that before the before the season started, I just would have thought it was insane. But yeah, he not through an error, not through a kind of you know one one big issue, or not you know not through one big incident. He just didn't have the pace to beat Lance Stroll and get into get into Q two. Were you as shocked as I was? Oh yeah, massively. I mean, it's the first time since two thousand nine on pure pace, Hamilton has failed to get out of Q1, which says it already. 13 years, that is absolutely mad. Uh, and the big question is, what went wrong? Because looking at the lap, there were no clear mistakes. And that is the annoying thing for him, is that there weren't any mistakes. He thought it was an OK lap, you know, nothing special. But, you know, he, he, it's not like he thought the cow's awful. Yet, he doesn't have the pace, and that is really not good because he's to be seven tenths behind Russell as well. Yeah, it's just there will be some real head scratching going on, uh, and especially because uh, last weekend in, in Bahrain, Halton had the upper hand on Russell for most of the weekend. So this has come as a real surprise. Yes, Mercedes don't have a great car at the moment, but 
you know, to get knocked out by Lance Stroll in the Aston Martin was just was just so surprising. Uh, and yeah, I'm not sure what Hamilton can do in the race. Uh, he's going to really struggle, I think, to even score points. <laughs> yeah, I think if there's a clean race, which is no guarantee at all, but yeah, I think if there's a clean race, it's you know, Mercedes are just going to. It's going to be so strange for them having to kind of battle and think how they're going to outfox 12th place rather than, you know, second and first place. It's really, it's really strange to think about. And yeah, I, I agree. Unless, you know, unless they can go back to the, you know, send the data back to the factory and they can stay up tonight and have a look at it and find where to go, then, you know, I, I agree with you. I kind of can't see, can't see where the improvement's going to come from. And they've had, what, six days of testing, three days in Bahrain and now two days in Saudi Arabia to, you know, get on top of this. And they're still don't seem to be any closer to, or I guess the, they didn't have this car in Barcelona, but, you know, that's still uh, eight days on and from this car yeah. breaking cover and they don't seem to be anywhere closer to, to solving it. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought this track was not going to suit them compared to Bahrain anyway. I just thought it, it would have been this bad because in Bahrain, they were very strong in the slowest slow speed corners, but Jeddah, so high speed pretty much. So I did kind of expect that it would have been as close to Ferrari and Red Bull. But to get out, to be not that Q1, it's just embarrassing almost. Mm. <laughs> so it's, it's just not good enough. Uh, I, I'm just not sure what. Went wrong? Was it the tyres? Was it lack of confidence? Maybe it was a combination of both. I don't know. But uh, the, the, and the thing is, they seem so adamant, Russell, you know, Mercedes and Hamilton, that they will fix it and that there's huge potential in this car. Well, at the moment, I'm struggling to see it. Uh, so, you know, they know more than us guys, uh, but it's going to come to a point where they're going to be too far behind. They're going to have too much time to make up. And it'll be too late, so they cannot they cannot afford to to you know keep going out in Q one Q two, or else it will just be a disastrous season for them. That's kind of where I'm at, really. It's not like you know before last week or sorry before this week. Then I kind of thought you know yes they've not been great in Bahrain, but they can they can still come back. And you know I felt mm-hmm. like they had it in the car to to get back. But now it's like how you know if you're if you're potentially struggling to score points, let alone get, you know, be in the top five and get podiums, which Russell did qualify, so we should say that. But if, you know, if you're not anywhere near the fight for a podium, which they weren't last week until the very end, and it doesn't look like they're going to be this week either, you know, before long, it is going to be out of sight. And even if they come with a world beater in the second half of the season, it's still going to be too too much for them to do so yeah I think there'll be a lot of you know regardless of what they're letting on I think there's going to be a lot of worried um, people yeah. over there. But they do seem so confident still that that they can bring it back I'm just not sure why I, I thought if surely if they thought they couldn't get back into it they would be a bit more downbeat but they still seem very positive positive to me and that is the surprising thing so that's why I'm still I'm kind of with them. I've still got that confidence that come Spain or something, it will be right there, which might seem like a surprising thing, thing to say right now. But it's Mercedes, and from what they've said, normally, you know, no, normally, normally, normally they play things down, but at the moment they're still saying we've got the potential, we can get back into it. So we'll just have to take the word for it, quite frankly. Uh 
But yeah, I don't know. It's for them, they'll just have to hope that or for, for Hamilton, they'll just have to hope that this is his low point of the season. Yes, yeah, definitely. And it's even kind of looking at the calendar, it's they've got a two week break until they get to Australia, then they've got another uh two weeks until they go to Imola, then another two weeks. So there are, you know, it is the the schedule does space out a bit kind of after yeah. after this week. But still you've you know, if you get to Barcelona, that's a quarter of the season gone before you can, you know, that's effectively written off unless they get a huge slice of luck with the way races form. So yeah. it's, yeah, it, it's just a really kind of um, worrying for them thing. But yeah, like you say, we just, you know, got to gotta see what they can come up with and it will just be one of those. Yeah, I think, what was I going to say? For Hamilton, we, there was a small sign with this last year. It was in Monaco last year. He only qualified seventh, I think, and it was miles behind us. He, he had an awful Saturday, Hamilton. So there were kind of small indications last year with the mistakes as well that he made that he was going to have a few off weekends. And this could be his first one of the year. Uh, and because Mercedes have you know third fourth or fifth fastest car if he does have a bad weekend it could be you know him get getting knocked out in q1 which is what's happened mm. so he's, he could, he's, he's gonna get found out a bit more if he's not quite on top of his game and we saw that with russell as well last week when he only called five think ninth it was so this is where they're at uh I still believe in them. I think the development race is going to be huge. And I think we've seen, you know, if you look at Norris and Ricardo, they they were they had the slowest car uh, last weekend, yet they've qualified between 11th and 12th. So, you know, you can make up big margins. Uh, it is going to change track by track. Uh, and yeah, we'll just have to see how they go in the race, because maybe the race pace might be a bit better. Maybe things will fall. Hamilton's way and he can find himself in fifth or sixth or something like that. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's going to be such a chaotic race and it's yeah. kind of scary really the way the way things are set and that's kind of a um, uh, kind of segue into into the other main story of the of the qualifying which was Mick Schumacher's crash absolutely mm-hmm. Huge crash in the early part of the second. I can't remember which corner exactly, but yeah, it it was it was shocking. He he came over. Um, he he basically just got a wheel onto the curb and span, and uh, just side you know side swiped the barrier at absolutely huge speed and bounced all the way over to the other side of the track and then rolled another hundred meters or so down. Um, so. You know, there's obviously we hope mix okay, and there's kind of that element, but also kind of the wider element of should, you know, is there something they need to change about this track? If you've got, you know, con- if it's so high speed and you've got concrete walls that close, leading to these impacts. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm just pausing because uh, I just read that Schumacher's not going to race. Uh, as a, oh, as okay. A, okay. So yeah, uh, Schumacher's not going to race in the next race. But by the time this is out, you guys will. Probably already know, but we didn't until now. Uh, what was your question again, Adam? <laughs> um, just about the safety of the circuit. Is it a safe place to race? Is it a safe place to race? Uh, the FIA thinks so, don't they? Or else we wouldn't be racing. But uh, it's not the most safe track 
on the calendar. Let's put it that way. It is risky. It is dangerous. Uh, and I'm in two minds because I want to see different tracks and I want to see the drivers being challenged because of, you know, I don't like circuits which will be ruined by runoff areas and taking away gravel and stuff like that. And this circuit does provide that risk versus risk versus reward, which we love to see. So it's a tricky one. Uh, I don't know. We saw some big accidents last year as well. In fact, Schumacher himself had a big crash in the, in the race. So every accident that does happen, it's a big one. And that is the only scary thing. So uh, is it safe? I don't know. I'm gonna sit. I'm gonna sit on the fence with this one, Adam. <laughs> I I think I think there kind of needs after this weekend. I think there needs to be kind of a look at it and a kind of you know not not maybe a kind of official investigation, but you know just really you know analysing the circuit and not just kind of going with the status quo of oh well you know it's been okay. Because you know, there's these crafts are huge, and if Mick Schumacher isn't racing tomorrow, then that's going to be, you know, to to put a driver out of action from a crash. I can't, you know, I can't remember the last time that happened where someone crashed that badly on a on a Saturday and that they weren't able to race on a Sunday. Um, yeah, it's going. The the one I mean, what Indianapolis, way back in the day. That you know, there might have been one since then that I've forgotten, and there's probably someone listening that's. Oh well, yeah, Master in 2009, Hungary. Yes, but that, that yeah. was an accident. That was just springing so. Yeah. Uh, so you know, but that the fact that we've had to think so long about it kind of shows how rare it is, and yeah, I think there needs to be a, a look at it. And like you say, I I do kind of admire it as a track, but that shouldn't be kind of paying off against you know driver safety. So yeah, I think. Just seeing seeing how it goes, and um, go I don't, but if you, if you think no, Indy 500, everyone loves it, yeah. You know, if you crash there, it's going to be huge, yeah. Everyone loves it, and no one says anything because it's the Indy 500. That is my argument, I guess, to it. You know, I don't think anyone, anyone would say we shouldn't race at Indy because it's dangerous, like, no one would say that because it's because of the event, the spectacle, the history, everything about it. So, you know, uh, yes, I'm still into, but I think I'll have to wait until I hear an argument that persuades me, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, that's a, that is a fair point. And um, I guess it's, you know, always in motor racing, it's kind of risk work versus reward and no sport is safe. But yeah, there's kind of, I think there'll be some things for everyone to think about. Um, do you know what the situation is, can another driver come in and replace Mick if they haven't qualified? No, they're, they're only going to be racing one car. Uh, okay. So just right. Kevin Magnussen. Yeah, who qualified 10th, I believe. He was in the top 10. Um, and Yeah, 10th. So <laughs> another another uh, successful weekend for Magnussen and, you know, Haas yeah. kind of showing, you know, Schumacher was looking good as well before his crash, so Haas kind of are showing that they've got the car there. But jumping back up to the front of the grid, you know, the kind of last last main topic that I want to cover is Ferrari. They're back. Like, it's not, it's not a kind of question anymore. I think they are back, and I was waiting to see it, and there'd been too many false storms for me to believe what we were seeing in testing or kind of absolutely believe it. But yeah, now it's not. 
is not a question anymore. They're back and they are right at the front of of the championship fight and the grid this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I always called it when they launched the car. <laughs> but I think, I think that was quite early. Uh, yeah, they're, they're 100% back. Uh, they arguably have the best car as well, you could say. But in the race, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they do have the upper hand on Red Bull, whether they've got better tyre and stuff like that. Because in Bahrain, it definitely seemed that McClure was able to manage his tyres a bit better. So it'll be interesting, <coughs> interesting to see if that remains the same. Uh, but I think with both drivers being up there, I think as long as they can stay with Verstappen at the start, they are probably still favourite to win. Even Perez is out in front just because they've got them those two drivers who can do different things. Uh, so yeah, they're looking very good, Ferrari. And even if they don't win, even, even if they get second and third, second and fourth tomorrow, that is still a pretty decent result for them, considering Red Bull didn't score anything last week. Mm. Yeah, all good for Ferrari. Yeah, and I think this is going to be a real test for um, you know whether these F1 cars are able to follow as as well as it's hoped that they can, because <clears throat> they um, you know this is. Yeah, this is um, the type of track that wasn't, you know, built for the last F1 cars, really. It was built for this type. And um, I think that's going to be kind of a real, real litmus test for that. But yeah, I, I'm excited for tomorrow. I think there's going to be, you know, there's going to be safety cars, which, you know, we never want to see. And, you know, I hope that there's not incidents, but I see there being incidents and I see that really affecting the way the race goes down. And, you know, that will, we won't know who's winning until the last lap. I really think that I don't think it's going to kind of be postage stamp for um, for 10 or 20 laps to go. I think there's always going to be that kind of danger of something dropping in to change things at the last minute. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'd agree with you as well. I think the nature of Paris, the way Paris was kind of so not surprised, but, you know, pleased and felt like his lap was a one off or, you know, the best that he could do. And he was still really not that far ahead of the Ferraris kind of does you know, they're probably still the quickest car on paper and it's just how they can manage that. Have you got anything else you want to say on the top of the grid or do you want to move down? Uh, I, think, I, I think the last thing I'll say is I think it wouldn't surprise me if there's red flags as well because we had two red flags last year. And in the F2 race, uh, they were in the sprint, F, sprint F2 race, they had safety cars and they were out for so long. I mean, there was only, I think, five laps of green flag running out of 20 because they, they decided not to red flag it. They just did safety car lap after safety car lap after safety car lap. So for the F1 with nothing happening after it, it wouldn't surprise me if they red flagged it instead just so, the, just so we don't end up doing 75 laps behind the safety car. Uh, and if you know someone's pitted and someone hasn't and there's a red flag, just like we saw last year with Stafford, it's going to give someone a huge advantage uh, so that is something everyone is going to be keeping an eye on, but especially Ferrari and, and Red Bull. Uh, and I think Red Bull as well, uh, the Honda or Red Bull powertrains or unit hasn't looked exactly too stable. Uh, Red Bull obviously had that DNF, but Alpha Tauri, the sister team, have also changed parts. Uh, Gasly and Sonoda have taken on new bits here and there. So it's definitely looking a bit fragile with the Red Bull engine uh so just like just like you said even if Perez overstapping is leading you've got to make it to the checkered flag first mm. and like you say with the red flags you could end up 
you know, you could get an Alpine leading because Alpine had a very yeah. good qualifying session of when fifth and seventh splitting or sandwiching Russell. Like, I think there are kind of, there'll be opportunities with really mixed up grid, especially kind of looking further back in the, there's what, about five teams in the top 10 off the top of my head, maybe even more, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven teams in the top 10, which, you know, that's, I think you will see a jumble of grid if you get something like that um and mm. segueing from that is you know who who caught your eye from the from the you know maybe fifth to tenth window yeah alpine alpine boy the team who caught my eye i had a feeling that they would do uh quite well I, in my preview for total motorsport little plug there that's the first time i plugged them so i'm allowed to do that uh, you put it right so, at the yeah, top of the uh, uh, podcast uh, as well to get the most exposure yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Alpine did really well with Ocon and Alonso. They both seemed to have that confidence to when when it mattered most to really push the car, which is a great strength to have, uh, especially on a street circuit. So they're going quite well. Uh, they're still not going to challenge Ferrari and, and Red Bull, but if they can get you know a fifth and a sixth or a fifth and a seventh in the race, that'll be a great result for them. Uh, so, yeah, the Alpine were the stars of qualifying behind uh, Ferrari and Red Bull. Yeah, definitely. They can get another, you know, they got a double points finish last time. So if they can get A, another double points finish and B, you know, push it a bit higher at the ground, maybe get a top five finish, then, yeah, that'll be fantastic. And I think Russell could be, you know, uh, pushing for that top five as well, um, which would be his, no one ignore that. Um, yeah, it'd be a kind of big, Big plus for Russell if he can make it into that top five or maybe even further up. I think the only the only other team for me that I think McLaren are the ones, the only kind of one that stood out. I think, you know, if you look at the rest of the top 10, you've got the Alpines there. You've got Bottas and Magnussen who both did well last week in, um, you know, better than expected cars and Pierre Gasly, who we know is quality. But McLaren out in Q1, Last time for Ricardo, they've jumped back up there, kind of right on the verge of Q3, now qualified 11th and 12th, so that's much better to see. Absolutely. Yeah, they have to be very happy about that. Uh, still not where they want to be, of course, but no. you know they've got to start improving somewhere, and it looks like they have done that for now. Whether that translate into, translates into race pace, we'll have to see. But for them to be... You know, faster than than Hamilton, and to be second and third fastest Mercedes powered cars, that is pretty good. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go in the race. And that's something I wanted to ask actually, Adam. What what do you think about the Mercedes straight line speed? Do, do you think? Well, yeah. Do you think they they now have the weakest engine? And yeah, do you think they can uh, improve it? Well, they can't really because of the end of yeah. yeah, general thoughts on it. <laughs> I, I think it's got to be a big worry for them because it's not, you know, if you look at the teams that are there and they've all taken kind of different design philosophies, so it's not, you can't just kind of put it down to, you know, the chassis not being up to it on one car. I think it's a real worry. I, I think you've got to put them at the back at the moment. Like, I don't really see... Yeah. You know, there's because Alpine look great, Renault, yeah. Renault look great, yeah. Renault look great, Red Bull powertrains. You know, there's the reliability there. So, kind of, if we set that aside, just looking at peak performance, yeah. they Mercedes have to be there. 
but you know i guess if red bull aren't finishing races regularly then you know i'd kind of rather if i was a team boss i'd rather finish kind of eighth with a with a mediocre engine than be not finishing half my races with a with a engine that fails but yeah i think it's easy to fix uh it's easy to fix though compared to like improving performance though isn't it i guess yes yeah that's a good point um but it's just again it's surprising we've been so used to this mercedes dominance and you know it's it's just not been there so yeah i think that's it's it's got to be a worry we'll see tomorrow how how it goes but you know as you say it's not something that they can easily change with the engine freeze so yeah it's it's going to be something to watch out for what about you do you would you put them at the bottom oh yeah definitely and it is a surprise because if you look how strong they were at the end of last season especially in races like brazil where house was zooming up the field and then over the winter everyone else has not only caught up they've gone past mercedes which is a massive shock so whether that's because they've lost some key personnel to various teams, including Red Bull, uh, over the last 18 months or so, yeah, whether that's uh, a factor, I, I'm, I'm not sure. But the straight line speed doesn't seem to be there. And even if some of it is aero, it can't be a coincidence that Williams, Aston Martin and McLaren are also at the bottom of the speed trap. So... Uh, you know, Mercedes themselves, they are they are running bigger wings to try and compensate for the porpoising and to give themselves more downforce. But I don't think big a bigger rear wings really explains the straight line speed uh, did you know problems. So I think there has to be a power unit deficit, and that's something they're going to have to uh, work on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think you summed it up very well, and. Um, yeah, it's something to kind of track through the season, but for Mercedes, it's definitely something they need to work on. I think the only, the other two drivers I'll mention is Yuki Sonoda, who didn't make it out um, at all. He got a DNS with a cooling system issue. And um, Daniel Ricciardo was within a tenth of Norris in both sessions, or just over a tenth in Q2, but he was a lot closer than he has been previously. So I think that's worth a shout out, but maybe not massive discussion. Is there anyone else that jumps out to you? Uh... I don't think so. I think mean, everything else was pretty much as you would expect. Uh, yeah, I think we've covered pretty much everything there, Adam. Yeah, it's been, uh, yeah, been a good session being back on the on the podcast with two person with Nigel Chu. It's been fantastic, and we will be back either tomorrow or Monday to dissect the race, however it's going to play out. Because really, you know, I think you can <laughs> you can see anyone. Yeah of that top 10 being on the podium. Actually, what, what is your, if you do podium and fifth place prediction? Uh, I'm going to go boring. I'm just going to say Leclerc, Perez, Sides, and then fifth will be Russell. I'll go yeah, standard. I'm going to go... Why not? I'm going to go Perez... Alonso, Leclerc. Oh, I like that. That that, that red flag Actually, point go, that you brought up. I'm going to go Leclerc, Perez, Verstappen. Okay, um, fifth place. I think I said Russ. Yeah. I'll go Verstappen. No, Science. Yeah. Um, oh, science. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you know, it's this, mm. this is, I mean, the staff in science has to be there if I'm not having them on the podium. So, yeah, that's uh, that's our predictions. We'll see how it turns out. I think there is going to be a lot to watch tomorrow. It could be a could be quite a long one. So, yeah, make sure you clearly schedule out for for an hour or so after the race. <laughs> but yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back soon. But until then, enjoy the race and goodbye. <laughs>